Hello, my friends, and welcome to this short podcast uh, episode on my August musings for 2023. This is Rebecca Conran, your host here on the New Story Podcast. Um, yeah, what the fuck do I want to talk about today? Hmm? Well, Mercury retrograde just hit, and uh, it's the first day of Virgo season. And it's a very tough season that we have ahead of us. And the retrogrades this year, I think, have been, um, it's felt harder than other years. And I think that there's a few reasons for this. A, I think we're still feeling the effects of the stress of those pandemic years. Um, You know, just the stress on our nervous systems and our um, health and wellness and uh, finances and just how um, intense that was, you know? Uh, Yeah, it's great. We all came out the other side, basically, pretty much. But um, everybody had to look their, you know, mortality in the face and we were still you know, we had to look at different things. What happens if we're jobless, moneyless? What happens if we lose our home? And now we're also seeing those things manifesting in a lot of places, you know, uh, where it was humans were not taken care of properly, like in the United States, um, where people, more people are homeless now. And there is a lot of job insecurity going on and a lot of financial insecurity. So I think, um, I think there's a delayed reaction that happens. And I think this year has been really tough when it comes to, um, just that buildup that happened in numerology. This is a, um, universal seven year. And this is when you're in a seven year cycle and it's coinciding with a year when we have personal retrogrades like Mars and Venus. Um, it's a really a year of, of learning, of telling the truth, figuring out what our, highest truth is within. It's a very soul searching um, experience. It's a process of uh, growing and really seeing where you no longer can work with what the status quo was, you know, where you've outgrown certain things. And, um, and I think the tough rub for a seven year is that it's not a year of action. It's a year of planning. And so it requires a great deal of patience and a great deal of faith. And faith is extremely difficult to have uh, in those times when the outward manifestation is not happening or when you can no longer will yourself forward. Like no matter what you try to do, willing yourself forward, you're not getting the same results as you would have had in the past. And, you know, I think... One of the reasons why the retrogrades this year have felt so um, tenuous, and this month is no different because we have Jupiter, we have Uranus, we have Mercury, all retrograde during Virgo season, turning retrograde. So we've got some big transits ahead. Um, 
and it's felt so tenuous because it already feels like we're slowed down. It already feels like we're at a standstill in a lot of in a lot of ways. So these retrogrades were really just slogging through mud. And um, I think it's so important to remember. It is absolutely correct that this is a cycle of learning and not doing. That this is a cycle of planning and not um, seeing those manifestations come to come to fullness. Now, the eight year, the eight year is a year of a, a, a of things coming full circle, of the karmic full circle. So what you sow this year is incredibly important to what you will manifest in the universal eight year beginning next year in 2024. So I know how hard this is. I'm in a personal seven year too. So, um, and not that any years are uh, easier or harder than the others. They all have their own uh, lessons and learning, but universally, collectively, 2023 is a seven year. I'm also in a personal seven year. So I'm, I'm seeing those themes magnified for myself as well, having to really um, not get depressed and not get stuck and not lose my faith because things aren't materializing quickly the way that I would like them to. Um, you know, you really have to keep the faith. You really have to keep the faith and just really bide your time, bide your time. This is such an important time to hone in the focus. Like, what is it? What's that vision who really are you? What do you really want? What do you really need? And you don't have to just know it straight away. We've had this whole year to work on that, to really figure it out and, and define it. And we've got some time left. We've got September, October, November, December. We've got four more months of this energy. And each month, carries a different vibration uh, as well um, and uh, an archetype and so September has its own um, its own energy coming in its own flow to it but um, if 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 you're like me you know and your life is moving slowly um, Allow yourself to be comforted that that's okay, that that's right. If you've had any kind of inclination to stop pushing and stop mobilizing and really center in yourself this year and respond to things rather than pursue, um, that is correct for you. That's the correct energy for this universal vibration uh, that we're in. So, you know, anything, any of those feelings of fear and dissatisfaction that come up, um, they are things to be sat with. We need to look at the information under our emotions, under the repression, you know, of our emotions. Um, what Whatever's been repressed that starts to bubble up, we want to really tune into that. This is the time to take the time to pursue a rigorous self-inventory. Um, this is it. It's not a time of doing. It's a time of being. 
And this is, uh, you know, sometimes we just need to give ourselves permission to, to sink into that, that that's right, that that's correct for us. Um, I know I need to. And so when I tune into this kind of information, I'm able to go, even though in the past I can, I can create so much, I can do so much, I have so much energy to bring things into manifestation in the world, right? Like there's years when I'm creating a store and then I'm doing this class and that class and I'm over here teaching and I'm over there and I'm traveling and I'm making records and all the different, I'm making art, all the different things that somebody might be able to manifest. Um, and then you hit a year where you're not doing those things. You want to, you have the inclination to plan and to dream and the imagination is vivid, but the action is not, the energy is not present to act. And obviously when you spend a lot of your time doing and, and uh, being able to, um, what's the right word for it? Not manifest, but really when you have a lot of energy to create and to get shit done, to put things forth into our world. When you're not doing that, it does sometimes feel like a punishment or, whoa, whoa, what's wrong with me right now? You know, I'm not going at the speed I normally go. Um, and uh, I'm here to tell you that there's nothing wrong with you. This is part of it. You know, now I, I do want to say if you are sitting on something intuitively that you're not moving forward on. That's that's a different thing. But when the energy isn't present to move forward on something, um, well, let me define that a little bit better. Um, it's hard to define better. <laughs> and also it's Mercury retrograde, so my words are probably going to be a little garbled today. But um you know the difference between a procrastination, something that you are not doing, and something that you don't have the energy and you don't have the right environment to do. You know, um, there is a there is that deeper knowing within that will tell you what the difference is between those two things. Um, if you don't know what the difference is between those two things, then there's work to do on clearing out that channel, on becoming less distracted and, and less numb to, to that inner knowing. I personally know there's, a, there's an undercurrent for me when I'm not supposed to be doing of a knowing that knows I'm not supposed to be doing. And I might try to circumvent that anyway and go... Well, I'm going to try to do shit. I'm going to try. I'm going to push forward. And then I get and then I get pushed up against my own frustration. And I go, mm, I knew it. I did know it. I knew I was supposed to just be spending this time resting and um, processing and planning. And I, I tried. And all it did was validate that, uh, yes, I can trust that intuition. So you'll know the difference. 
And if you don't know the difference, and this is really important to work with somebody else, work with a practitioner that can help you to decipher and clear out the, the energy that is uh, creating confusion for you. But the seven year is, is more of a confusing year in terms of knowing, you know, it's hard. Humans, we're, we're programmed to act, we're programmed to do. So it is confusing in a year when we feel really pulled back. We have to really analyze every aspect of the life. And this is a very analyzing year. And, you know, I think the, the caveat also is that we've got to know when we're overanalyzing too. We need to be willing to look and willing to dig deep and not allow it to become a form of abuse and, and allow the neurosis to take over our lives too. So again, the seven years about the self-centeredness and um, finding balance and um, but above all just paying attention to the fact that this is not a year of just outward doing and we will really find that we are frustrated when we continue to push our will into the world and it's not the right timing so um take the hint <laughs> you know Take the hint and uh, and take the time to rest and give yourself that permission to slow down and, and to go into the planning instead of the doing. The eight year is a personal power year. Um, we don't have personal planets retrograding next year. We will feel a lot more forward motion. Um, and I think the main, it, it, when we talk about karma, we talk about the seeds that we planted, when they come to fruition, what does that look like? You know, the seeds that we plant in our relationships, in our creativity, in our self-care. I mean, may, mostly, the most important thing in our self-care, those seeds that we plant when they come to fruition, what kind of garden is that? You know, and so this planting year is so important. It's so important to be karmically responsible for you know, whatever it is you're doing right now, because you will sow, you will reap from these seeds you're sowing. Okay, the harvest is going to come. Is it going to be a bountiful harvest? Is it going to be a harvest that's exciting and nourishing for you? Only you know, and it's going to be based on the way that you are being in the present. So it's very important um, to tune into a, a lot of that energy from Virgo season two around and, and, you know, if you haven't listened to the report, I would definitely listen to the Virgo season report. Um, it's so important in terms of um, our self-care practice right now and the way that we take care of ourselves. So, um, you know, the, the way that you're taking care of yourself in your life is going to come back to you. <laughs> it's going to be, it's the point of manifestation for you. So when we're thinking about what am I going to manifest next year, it's going to look a lot like an amplification of right now. And as I say that, a big, a big um, wave of relief washes over me. Because when I think about how I'm taking care of myself right now, and I think of that being magnified, um, I feel really, really fucking good. 
I feel like, oh yes, yes, this is a tough year, but I've prioritized myself, I've prioritized my spirituality and um, a rigorous inventory of my own behaviors and actions and boundaries and all of that. And when I think about that being amplified, I feel excited about it. Now, if you're not feeling excited about it, take that as the appropriate um, come to Jesus moment for you to, you know, turn a new leaf. Do you want what's going on right now to be amplified next year? Or are you ready to shift gears? So these are all things to think about. And again, like, you know, if you need greater insight into your own personal astrology um, and what's going on with you, your numerology, uh, it's possible that a, a personal forecast is what you need. Um, I do recorded 40-minute um, personal energy reports based on your birth chart and whatever questions that you have right now. And those are on my website, and I will link them in the show notes. So yes, the the eight year, it can be a year of achievement, but those achievements can be exciting or like troubling based on whatever it is that our behavior is. So when we think about karma, we think about, um, you know, the reaction to our actions and um, that should be very... Um, it should push us along to take responsibility for this moment. We've got the time. We do have the time to, you know, shift gears and to put ourselves back on a better track should we need to. Okay. Um, you know, one thing that's been coming up that I wanted to talk about was just energy exchange with friends, with practitioners, with whoever, you know. Um, and just your own ability to be energetically, um, truthful about your own generosity. You know, um, I think that there are practitioners in general, um, and not just me. I see this, I see this a lot. I think I have, because I've been around for a while, um, I have really solid boundaries. And when people ask me to do things for free or they ask me to do things that I find are not in my value or my responsibility as a practitioner, um, I have no problem saying no. But I think a lot of people feel like you have to be doing a lot of freebies and you have to be sort of cutting your rates and um, and things like that. And um, I, I don't agree with that. I think that we need to be being paid what our value and worth is. You know, it takes a lot of energy and a lot of resources to be a clear channel, somebody who's in their integrity in terms of the work. And um, if we don't, for me, um, if somebody doesn't want to pay me what I'm worth or, or what, not even what I'm worth, but what I've stated as my boundary, or if somebody wants me to do events for free or, or whatever, um, I'm not an unending well of just uh, energy for people to use. I'm a person. And um, when you are a practitioner, 
what you should be doing in an ideal world is keeping your vessel clear so that you can hold space so that you can be a wonderful mirror to other people through uh, the reflection of like a um, deeper integrity around your practice. Um, but you're not just like a fucking unending waterfall of energy for people. We're not source, you know, and everybody has access to source of energy. We're human beings. So source can flow through us, but we're people and we have lives and we have our own healing to do. And we have our own, um, wounding to contend with. And, uh, you know, we are, we can be, beautiful, wonderful mirrors of um, a more pure, pure experience, a freer experience as a human. Um, and to do that, we need resources. We need the resources to be able to do that. Um, and so um, practitioners need to be paid. And they need to be paid properly. And when you're paying a practitioner, you need to imagine that what you're paying for is the rigorous work that they're doing on themselves. You know, I pay for my practitioner who's more expensive than I am, you know, and it's not because he's like a showboat or something like that. You know, he has a lot of experience. He puts him through his himself through a rigorous um, protocol of, of wellness and, and spirituality. And, um, and that is what is necessary of people. If you want to hold a strong space for people, for, for your clients. So, um, it takes, it takes resources to be a practitioner. And for people who want to work with practitioners, you should really want for your practitioner to not be cheap. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't amazing practitioners that have lower rates because there are. And I think it's also based on uh, where people are in their lives, what they need, um, uh, where they live, what their expenses are, things like that. Um, so, and, and really what they're doing. You know, I think there's some practitioners who are doing things that are less invasive on their everyday life. Like as an energy practitioner, energy work is an invasive way to work with people on a practitioner. You know, it requires very strong boundaries and a lot of work outside of the session time. The session is not just when the energy work is happening. The energy work is happening all the time. And it's really, you, you need a really good practitioner to be able to work with that in a way where they're not being overwhelmed and they're not transferring their bullshit into it either. So um, all of these things really factor in. And we, should, we shouldn't just be expecting for practitioners to um, support us without us being willing to support them too. And how we support them is through usually monetary exchange, but it could be through trade or whatever else too. Those are totally acceptable forms of working with people. Um, but that energy needs to be generously exchanged. Um, and so... Um, you know, for me, just in my life in general, when, when things are t 
tight, when money is tighter or things aren't flowing as freely, as is just the general up and down of human life and the, the flow of things. Um, I try to just get really generous in how I pay for things and um, in my own exchange, instead of feeling a tightness around it, try to feel just like a gratitude and thank you for letting me pay for this and for this, you know, and really just more of a freedom with finances. Um, the tighter that you hold on, the, the, um, the more, um, God, I feel so mercury retrograde today. Um, the tighter that you hold on, the fuck do I want to say? The more resistance you're going to experience around making money. It's not going to feel like an, uh, it's not going to feel like a, a light, abundant place of energy for you. It's going to feel like a tight place of lack. So just being conscious of that. Um, and also like remembering that if you don't pay a practitioner, you're putting the onus of your own healing onto them. So you're making them responsible for your healing by not exchanging energy. Um, I don't mean just paying in money. I just mean if you don't properly exchange energy in an equal and fair amount with your practitioner, uh, you're making them responsible for your healing and their own. And that's just not right action. Um, and you know, this might be not just, perhaps you work in a creative field and this advice is a good advice for you in terms of that as well. It doesn't have to just be what I'm talking about in terms of a practitioner. Um, but I do find that people in the world, they think that practitioners just like, um, well, you found the key, so you should be giving it away to everybody. Um, but the truth is, is that everybody has the key. And some people are willing to live a life that is more vigorously um, associated with self-care. And that takes a lot of resources. Um, so they also need resources in order to continue that lifestyle for themselves. And I don't mean going to spas and shit like that. I just mean being able to live in the, in the world. Um, so paying attention to that. Um, the final thing I wanted to kind of talk about today in my August musings was uh, I turned 40 last month, um, on July the 20th. Happy birthday to me. And, uh, it was really such a amazing turning point. And, um, I wrote a little note about what it felt like, um, because, you know, I'm in the midlife crisis, right? <laughs> but, um, I wrote down that it felt like midlife salvation. Um, it f has felt like such an, a, a wonderful turning point, like out of just like living my life in a, in terms of needing to heal and moving from that I'm healing space into just that I'm living space. Um, I have felt that for this entire time I've been healing many aspects of myself, even when I felt really solid in the healing, it's still taking place, you know, um, I'm still coming up against parts of myself that are, um, suffering. And I don't know if this ever ends for anybody, you know, I feel like, um, when I read things of, uh, practitioners who were very 
who died in their 90s or whatever, and I read their books and stuff like that. They definitely talk about going through these different healing periods throughout life. So it's not something where I'm like, I'm almost done, you know, and now I'll be done and I'll just live the rest of my life without having to do it. But the difficulty of healing has definitely shifted um, as I've gotten older. Um, and uh, turning 40 was such an amazing moment for me in my life because it just felt like coming home to myself. I was more aware than ever of just the, the, the girls and the women that got me here, meaning those aspects of me from baby Rebecca to teenage Rebecca to, you know, you know, um, drug addict Rebecca or whatever, those periods of my life, um, that really helped me to get here to where I am. And it was a very exciting turning point, turning 40, because I realized how free life I can, I can be in my life and, uh, and that I can, all the things I wished, I'm still young enough that all the things that I would have liked to done, to have done when I was younger, but I didn't have the courage to do. Um, I now have the freedom to do that because I have the psychological and emotional freedom to pursue things that um, I didn't have the maturity to pursue when I was younger. And that to me felt like midlife salvation instead of midlife crisis. It feels like um, the opportunities and the potential just couldn't be richer because I'm sitting here at this moment not having a fucking crisis. And that is a testament to practice, to practice in the work and walking the fucking talk. And um, that is really, I think, the difference between when you reach this age and you start to spiral about around like your achievements. Um, you know, I think the most important thing to do is to tune into your own sense of, am I walking my talk? Am I being responsible to all those versions of me too? Little me, baby me, whatever, you know, um, have I, have I brought them forward like a loving parent? You know, have I, am I the best caretaker to myself that I could be? And, um, I feel younger than ever in a lot of ways. I look, I wish I didn't look as young as I do because, um, I feel like, uh, sometimes it feels like a barrier to people taking me seriously because I, I look quite young. And so I think people don't, they make assumptions that I don't have the uh, maybe wisdom that I have or life experience that I have, but whatever, you know, it's fine. <laughs> it's a, it's a silly thing to be hung up on. Um, and, um, and I do think that, uh, it's strange for people to be like, to constantly compliment you and tell you that you look young for your age. Um, you know, I, I am, excited to be older. I don't want to be younger. When I was younger, I just wanted to be older. And now I just want to be where I am. 
Um, and uh, in some ways, yeah, I think when you're young, you're just rushing around, especially in your 20s. It's like you don't, no one ever tells you, like, you shouldn't know shit in your 20s. You should not know shit. You're figuring it out. Like, don't put so much pressure on yourself to, like, get somewhere, you know? Um, and now that I'm older, like, all of that stuff really makes sense of, like, some people are going to experience a delayed, some people might have lots of, um, success when they're very young. And I think in some ways I had a lot of different periods of success in my life. Uh, when I worked as a production designer and art director in film and te television, when I was in my, you know, early to mid twenties, I had a lot of success. I had a lot of financial success. Um, but and then in the early days of my wellness practice, I had a lot of success in terms of, well, I don't know if I would have said it, call it success. I mean, I think my practice has been successful the whole time, but I had a lot of what people would say was external validation, maybe, um, in terms of it. And, uh, but those things, they kind of come and go, you know, and the consistent part is you. And, um, I think when you, for me, the real success that I had been waiting, I didn't know it, but I was waiting to achieve this was just a sense of, of coming home to myself, being at home with myself where I, I don't feel lonely. I can't remember when I last felt lonely, um, in terms of when you're, when you're not friends with yourself, it's a very lonely place to be. You really do long for company of others. Um, and there are, there are moments when I would be really nice to have more people to shoot the shit with, you know, and, uh, talk about the things that I'm interested in with. Um, but also, you know, I'm in this seven year right with you guys. And this is a very independent, um, sort of loner period. And coming home to myself, being older, it really is about just being grounded in myself and not, I don't feel like I'm missing anybody you know, outside of that and everybody else outside of it is just a boon, just such a blessing, uh, on uh, icing on the cake, you know, friends and family and all of that and partners and stuff. But the being grounded in yourself, um, I mean, I think that's really the goal. That's the place that we're trying to get to. And so for me, turning 40 was just an acknowledgement that I got there. You know, and uh, and let's hope that um, me and all these little aspects of me can stay connected throughout uh, the next 40 years of my life. Uh, if I'm if I'm blessed to live 40 more years. So, yeah, that's my little uh, spiel on that. Um, so if you didn't listen to the Virgo season energy report, I really recommend it. Um I want to, I started writing my memoirs a little bit, just sort of like the, my experiences up until now. Um, and, uh, 
I do want to do a, a, a podcast episode on sort of my childhood being raised as a Jehovah's Witness and what that was like. And I'm still sort of wrapping my head around uh, <laughs> what to talk about because there's just so much. Um, and I really want to bring back interviews. But again, you know, every time I, I have a lot of good ideas right now and um, and then the actual manifesting of like how that's going to play out or putting those pieces together is a much slower process than I would enjoy like it to be, but it's all in the right timing, you know? So those are some things to look for um, on this podcast moving forward is um, I'm going to talk about more of how I created a new story for myself. Um, oh, and the one last thing I wanted to talk about, you know, we t I spent some time talking about paying practitioners. I wanted to make mention that, um, um, you know, my personal experience is that I was homeless for a year and uh, before I started um, like my quote unquote wellness journey or whatever, when I, when I started down the path of like holistic wellness in terms of nutrition, food, spirituality, you know, emotional healing, things like that, therapy. And, um, I was homeless. I didn't have anywhere to live. I didn't have, um, regular income. I didn't have anybody to support me financially or anything like that. I didn't even have a college education. So it wasn't like I had a lot of um, connections or anything like this. Um, and, you know, when I first started working with a coach myself, I'd never worked with a coach or in any kind of therapeutic um, circumstances before. And this is, you know like 14 years ago now, 13 years, 14 years ago, 13 years ago, maybe. And, um, at the time I, I didn't have any money and I was just moving into a new apartment. I got an apartment and it was way more expensive than anything I'd ever paid for. And it was in Williamsburg in New York. And, uh, it was so expensive, but I knew that I should be living in this one apartment. And the woman had almost, she had, she said, I, I already agreed to give it to somebody else, but I'm gonna, I really like you and I think you should be here. So she sublet it to me. And then I got the coach like a few days later too. And so all of a sudden I was, I was financially obligated. And I, with my coach, I, um, signed like a six month contract that I was going to pay her you know, and, um, monthly and, uh, and it was, I think it was like, I want to say it was like between three and $400 a month for the coach. And I can't remember how much my apartment was, but it was, it was expensive for me. I was going from nothing. So it was, it was expensive for me. So all of a sudden I had like all these thousands of dollars in payments that I needed to come up with. And, I knew that I needed those things. I knew I needed this home center for myself. And once I moved into that apartment, I got sober three days later from alcohol. And um, it was an incredibly grounding force for me. And I lived there for over a decade. Um, and, uh, and I started working with my coach who I worked with for a number of years. Um, but the point being is I didn't know how the fuck I was going to pay for any of that shit. I did not know. I didn't have money. 
Um, but I have always made the investment into my own self-care and prioritized it no matter what the fee was. If it felt like the person I was supposed to be working with, I did that even with when I made my record. Um, I didn't have any money to pay for the record. And making a record is expensive. It costs like $8,000. And uh, I didn't have that as some kind of disposable finances. Um, but as I started the process, I knew that it was something I needed to do. And then um, the money started to come in as, it ne as needed, as necessary. Um, and I've never missed a payment on what I need to pay since. Ever. You know, um, and to this day, things work out and I'm not precious about money in terms of like, um, I will work at any kind of job to make sure I support myself. I'm not like too good to work any kind of position or too good to make any kind of money. But in the role that I'm in as energy healer, I know that there's a value that I need to stick to for that. Um, and so I do as the pract in terms of practitioner. And I know the value I got out of the investments I made in my life. And um, I hope that people will take those risks, the risk to take care of themselves, and will see the rewards um, that I saw in my life um, and continue to see. So when you pay your practitioner and you have to reach, you have to really reach to be able to pay that. Um, there's something very important that comes out of that um, intense energy and that radical care for oneself. Um, and uh, in my experience, it's been a lot of luck and a lot of gifts that have come out of it. I've never regretted any amount of money that I've spent on um, my self-care, my spirituality, my holistic path so hopefully that inspires people to uh make those uh investments themselves as well um with whoever you feel called to work with if it's me that's great and if it's somebody else wonderful everybody knows intuitively who's right for them so listen to those uh prompts and uh virgo season is a time to work with teachers and to really um review and go over and analyze and look into the past and look into our um, behaviors and habits and and all of that so this is an important time to be making those investments and do that work on yourself um so all right friends sending you lots of love and check out the show notes for uh any links all right bye bye